Oh, that's embarrassing. This podcast contains vulgar language and sensitive subjects. Listener discretion is advised. And we're on. Welcome. Good good morning. (laughs) Welcome back to Healthcare (laughs) Villains, everybody. Hello. I'm Poison Ivy. And I'm Juggerdoc, here for your, again, listening pleasure. I always want to say viewing pleasure, but they can't see us, so it's fine. It's fine. That's fine because I'm I'm not... you're I am not. not I, I have a face for uh, radio, for ah. podcasting. Uh, <laughs> nice. A little. I don't have to doll myself up to be here. That is true. Yeah. yeah. So that's always nice. Sans the makeup. Yeah, no. Because when I wake up in my makeup. <laughs> anyway, which is super funny. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, I'm going to follow Poison Ivy's lead from last time where she did the whole thing on um, Dr. Kevorkian. Uh, I'm going to do a thing on Dr. Freeman, who perfected, quotes, the transorbital lobotomy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, so because, you know, psych's my wheelhouse. It is. So it that's is. what we're going to talk about. And I, I named my, because I, I also did research, and it was boring and interesting, but the title, what I saved all my research under was Head Like a Hole. <laughs> Head like a hole? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, my God. It makes sense, right? Because you got to drill the holes into the head to do a lobotomy. Yeah. Or somehow. You got you to get in there. Didn't they use like an ice pick through the eye? Yeah. Freeman literally used the ice pick from his kitchen. Okay. So I, yeah. so I love everything spooky and weird. And so I love to read these books called Lore. And I've read I, – I didn't read the one about – monstrous people or something like that because i'm like i already know how bad people are <laughs> You're like i know these guys it's fine and i really fine. and i really just i'm a huge which i'm a huge hypocrite i don't believe in glorifying criminals mm-hmm. and terrible people because that's kind of what they want any like you know all the serial killers they oh, make yeah. these movies they, and documentaries and they them. want all this attention and it's very much attention seeking and then they get all this publicity yeah. and they love it and and so i'm like hard nose like i don't really want to feed into that but then we do a true crime podcast but i spin it as <laughs> we're making fun of them but i guess attention's attention they don't care what kind of attention it that is. is very true but honestly like I, I think Freeman, like, he wasn't a great guy. I'm not going to lie. But he did some stuff that was kind of okay. Right? Okay. And he did it with, I think, his some of his intent was okay. Like, he actually wanted to help people with severe mental illness. I mean, it went a little a little cray-cray there for a minute. But uh, I think the original intention for, I guess, for anybody who did lobotomies was to help the severely mentally ill. So... Yeah, I think it's the same guy I'm thinking of because I did watch like a mini series of lore and I think they did one on him and I'm like, what the fuck? But um, can you explain to everybody what a lobotomy is? Oh, yeah. I got all the history of it. Um, uh, I'm going to take you back, back, way back. Ooh. We're going way back. How back? Like uh, when the Egyptians like scrambled people's before brains Before that. Holy shit, before yeah. that? Neolithic era, they did trepanation. What? Like, so like the Neolithic era, okay, just to clarify our eras. Egyptian, right? That was about five to three thousand BCE, mm-hmm. and uh, they have neo. The Neolithic era era was about sixty five hundred BCE. So, pretty much before it was like the Stone Age. Holy shit! Right? They were doing that shit. Be- wow. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So they would get these tools and they would like just either to bash people's heads in. Pretty much. I mean, they were, I mean, it was the Stone Age, right? It's not like they had a nice, like, sharp scalpel happening or a drill. Just, you know, like... Or an ice pick. Kind of like when you when your TV's acting up, you kind of knock it a few times to make it... Exactly. Quick, 
skeeking out. Uh-huh. Like, you just like tap it, knock it around a little bit, and then it just <laughs> zap, zap, dies. And then you're like, oh, fuck. But uh, anyway, so trepanation, what it is, is that you make a little incision in the skull, or well, in the scalp first, and then you cut out a piece of the skull. Okay. Like, and this was really common practice. So I did, again, I did research, and um, their evidence suggests that about seven to 10,000 years ago, they were doing this in Eurasia, like all over Eurasia, all in Europe, all in uh, Asia, Russia, everywhere over there. And they did it on men, mostly men, but they also did it on women, children, and cows. Why cows? I don't know why cows, but that's what it said in like France. Like the cows getting little lippy? They, maybe, <laughs> you know, come up, come fucking around with me, cow, and you're going to find out. <laughs> like, cows? <laughs> yeah, they, they found skulls of cows with holes in them. Do they have bad cow disease? <laughs> <laughs> well played. That was very, that, that was good. I'm, Thank you. Thank you. That was good. I'm on a roll today. I had you, I had you going before yeah, we started. Yes, too. you did. Yes, you did. But yeah, this cow in uh, 3400 BCE, right? So that's before the common era. So like we don't use AD and BC anymore because that's too like uh, religious. Well, yeah, we don't want to upset people now. We don't. that's the last thing we need. Yeah. Um, I personally go really far out of my way not to upset anyone. That's why we have a podcast. Uh-huh. Exactly. Of being villains. Uh-huh. Anti-heroes. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway. It's fine. Uh, and they also were doing it in Mesoamerica, so like down where the uh, in the Andes Mountains where the Incas were, but it was actually pre-Incan civilization. Incas have been around forever. Holy yeah, and it was before them. And they found all these skulls with like just holes cut in them. And so they, they think, we're like, well, I mean, it's pretty obvious that someone purposely cut a little square in this person's head. So it was actually, it's actually the first um surgical procedure that can be evidentiary documented mm-hmm. so did your research say like what kind of tools they used to oh use? they had pictures of the tools but most of it was just like sharpened rock because again this was the stone fuck? age that's all they had was rocks maybe oh some God. obsidian obsidian is pretty sharp it can be pretty sharp but still to get through so there were some some of the pictures that i looked at i think the the holes were not they weren't very um precise Let's no say. shit. So it did look like maybe they just took a tool and was like, I'm hammering, like, into. And honestly, that's how they ended up doing the transorbital <laughs> lobotomy, is that the dude took the ice pick and a mallet. It even says mallet. And he's just like, conk, 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 right this into your brain. my head hurt just thinking about it. Yeah, it does. Like, I get, I, I'm around these um, LED lights a little too long, and then I get a headache. I, um, well, that's you know, a- <laughs> I would give you a, a, a lobotomy for that. It would stop your headaches. Okay. Allegedly. Allegedly. I mean, you might die, but 5%. It's fine. That's pretty still good for percentage. Mm, is it? Is it? Anyway. anyway. All right. So, um, so yeah, this was happening all over the world in ancient cultures, and it was called trepanation. So trepanation is derived actually from the Greek word trypanon, which means borer or auger, which is literally <laughs> a drill, right? <laughs> That's where it came from. Oh, it just, it's so mechanical. It's a human mm-hmm. skull. Um, mm-hmm. You're not I, boring a hole into a log of wood. <laughs> <laughs> it's same concept, though. I mean, same, same. All right. So you, you drill a hole or you scraped a hole <gasps> through the skull. Mm-hmm. That's worse. Well, you just got to sit there. And ah, <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine being the person? Ha- and you could just hear it. 
That would no. But what I <laughs> what I picture when I think of the scraping, do you remember like Andy Dufresne from Shawshank Redemption when he's like digging out with his little rock hammer? Oh my god! Through the wall. That's oh. what I keep. The, and then you just like dump out the bits of skull afterwards out of your pockets. Anyway, yeah, I don't know, but oh my um, god, that's, yeah, that's terrible. They they scraped into your skull, made Ugh. a little made a little hole. Like oh like I said, head like a hole. That's the name of the thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you went through, you perforated the dura mater, which is like the covering of your brain that protects your brain and keeps all your uh, cerebral spinal fluid intact. And if you lose your cerebral spinal fluid, it's not good. It causes rage and headaches because it has to keep a certain pressure in there. Mm-hmm. And so you perforate this dura mater, but you can't go any further than that. You don't, you don't want to like, you know, you don't want to fuck up the brain because. <laughs> oh, well, of course. Of course. But, but you do actually end up wanting to. Anyway, it's a whole thing. Anyway. So, and they did it to sometimes release pressure or blood or possibly whatever else they thought was going on with the dudes. Um, yeah. And, and like I said, it was the oldest documented surgical procedure performed by man, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But there's not really, if you did appendectomies back in the day, it's not like there's skin left around with scars. Right. So, I was about to say, I'm like, well... Of all those first things they're going to want to poke around, it's going to be the one thing that has like a hard shell. That's what they're really going to go for first. (laughs) Probably not. There's just no evidence to support appendectomies back in the day. Or whatever. Or C-sections or anything like that. Right? God, can you imagine how barbaric those were? No, thank you. I don't. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I think I'd rather somebody try to rip my appendix out rather than like chisel away my skull. Uh, Ooh, I... I'm gonna hard pass either either one. I'm just gonna run away screaming. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I'll I'll deal with the demons that are in my brain for my seizures. Okay, I don't I don't need that. <laughs> and that was one of the main. Well, again, this is what they think because this is pre-written history, right? right? So it's not like they had a journal. Oh, and today we shall dictate on. You know, they didn't have they didn't have dragon. The dictation. <laughs> they didn't have dragon. To <laughs> Sorry, take their notes. Dragon's a dictation thing. You just talk into the microphone and it types it all out for you. Anyway. So they used it most often when they thought someone was like possessed and they had to get the evil spirits out of them. And again, oftentimes that was seizures or psychosis, right? Like if you're like crazy behavioral mm-hmm. aberrations or whatever, any abnormal behavior, that's what they think they did it back in the day. But honestly, trepanation has been happening continuously still hmm. uh, in 2000 in Utah. What? Yeah, I'll get to that in a minute. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So it's been happening all throughout history, and it started, you know, in the Neolithic era with the Stone Age. So, again, you were just using stone tools to crack a walnut shell into the brain. (laughs) Okay. Um, They did it oftentimes also after accidents, such as if you got a head wound or if you, you know, you were out, I don't know, chasing a mammoth or something. I don't know. (laughs) And you got, you know, smacked in the head with a trunk. <laughs> so they would go in and they would take out like little bits of bone if bone went into your brain or they would if you had a bleed and they thought they could fix it. Which again, they didn't it's not like they had imaging, so they're just like, ah, it sounds a little slushy on this one side, so let's cut in right here and see Imagine if that doesn't they probably put their ear to like those skulls. Like I hear the sound of the ocean. So right, I wait, think like you gotta knock on it to see if it's hollow. <laughs> oh nope, it's not there. Oh, oh, it's like there trying, it is. Trying to find the stud in the wall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're like, I think it's right here. But it's also fluid, so maybe just tilt your head to the other side. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, they used it to get pools of blood out from underneath the skull, bits of bone, uh, seizures, psychosis, many things like that. So 
There were so many skulls found with holes from trepanation that out of all of the Neolithic skulls ever recovered, 5 to 10% of them had holes in them. Oh. Which is like 5 to 10% of the population. Which was like 10 people. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that's only one person. So it's oh, fine. Okay. <laughs> fine. Excuse me. There was okay. like 50 people. <laughs> okay. Fair. Whatever. That's five people. Anyway. And so it's like, that's like a huge population yeah. of people. I thought that was weird. And then it said that out of those skulls that they found, only about 40% survived. No shit. What? what? That's crazy. They, they didn't. They, had, they were backed by science. They had sound silence. Uh-huh. That was it. Sound silence. Yeah. Yeah. No, anyway. no sterile technique for sure. You know what's funny? Just to deviate, when we were talking about science, I'm wearing one of my science shirts. Yeah. It has a periodic element, and it says A-H, and it says A-H, the element of surprise. I like it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> anyway. I'm surprised. <laughs> anyway. So... Yes. Anyway, so the evidence of trepanation continues throughout history. Like, that was the earliest ones, but it continued the, throughout history. And fun fact, in 2000, two men from Utah were prosecuted for practicing medicine without a license after they performed trepanation on an English woman to treat her mental health. Isn't, okay, isn't Utah that state that has those crazy-ass radical religious people there or some shit like that well i mean i i don't know if i'd say radical but they have some they have some factions of the lds religion like the fundamentalist lds that still live in like their own communities uh they have like little house on the prairie people kind of they they grow all their own stuff there was that documentary on netflix about the uh it's not like necessarily it's polygamous stuff and they uh, marry like very young women and it was all over the news when it happened oh, i remember hearing that on the news so yeah it was a, it was a while ago but then they did the documentary well there's been multiple documentaries about it but they just released one on netflix not too long ago my lord wow yeah so see what happens when you don't allow science into your life you marry young women and then you cut holes in people's heads well, this chick from England came over here just to have this done. How, like, how did they? How did they advertise that? Did they I, like go on like Facebook? It was two thousand, so no. Oh, in two. Oh, in two thousand. No, in two thousand. So did they put a, like a thing in the in the paper? Like, I, uh, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, there, there was. Did they pray the demons out of her open skull hole? Like. There wasn't a whole lot of information about it. No kidding. Oddly enough, the most information that I found about it was because they recorded it. Are you fucking serious? I am dead fucking this serious. Is, this is, okay. Just they, like Kevorkian thing. Mm-hmm. It's that whole pride ego thing. And then they oh, always yeah. do, they incriminate they, themselves. All the time. It's so they're, anyway, whether those guys, I don't know what their intent was, if they had good intentions or they just want to crack into someone's hard outer layer to get to their canny, creamy, goody inside. I'm assuming that they're religious people because they're from Utah, because that's what Utah is known for. But, um, <laughs> but I would imagine that they were probably trying, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, God talked to me and he said, put a hole in this lady's head. You get the demons out. It's fine. It's fine. You know, oddly enough, not that in all the red articles that I read, Nothing ever mentioned religious freedom. Okay, fine. Because theoretically, if that was considered religious freedom, I don't think they could prosecute. Well, so around that time, there was a lot of back and forth with um, Christian science, which uh, is the most uh-huh. ironic thing ever because they would not use science <laughs> to, to treat that's, diseases. That's facts. Yeah, and so there was a lot of legal 
to do about because a lot, a lot of, of kids because a lot of kids were dying from yeah. very treatable diseases. So I don't know if it was around 2000, but I know it was around early 2000s that there was a lot of those going on, and people were going at least going to court over the stuff. I don't know how it turned out though. Honestly, yeah, I don't. Kinda, it's been a long time. No, for sure about that. But like most of the information that I found, oddly enough, was about because this these dudes. Well, I don't know if it was these dudes, but somehow that tape ended up at ABC News. And ABC News used it to run media stuff. And then when they went to court, the court's like, you got to give us that tape. And they're like, oh, freedom of the press. We don't have to give you shit. Are you fucking serious? I'm dead serious. That was more of what the news articles that I found over the dudes actually drilling into some chick's head. You know what? It was crazy. Fucking. Okay. So I'm sorry. The whole press it's probably the worst thing that ever happened to this country. Let me just tell you. Because shit like that, it's like, are you fucking serious, guy? Right. These guys are... Out of their goddamn minds. They're out of their goddamn <laughs> minds. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. They are dangerous, obviously, because they're taking advantage of really stupid people or or very mentally ill people or whatever. Well, she wasn't like... Like, she had some problems, but she wasn't like psychotic, schizophrenic. So she was didn't. just stupid. Uh, she had some drug use issues. She had some depression. I'm going to go on the line and say she probably had borderline personality disorder. Okay, either way. Mm-hmm. Either way. Fuck the press, man. Fuck the press. Well, this chick lived. They didn't kill her. Well. Uh, nothing really changed for her, though. But And it doesn't say, like, they did the trepanation, but it doesn't say if they, like, scrambled her brain after they got in there. They just cut a hole in her head. Maybe <laughs> they let out some fluid or... I don't know. It doesn't... They let the demons out, I told you. Well, they, they got out, but they got back in. They didn't seal up that door tight enough. <laughs> they didn't They didn't close the portal door. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't put some salt around the rim or nothing. I don't know, but the demons got salt back in. Well, you know, you saw it's not a margarita. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Maybe they ate it. Oh, like, like, like Silence of the Lambs. Yes, mm. Mm. nice Chianti. Mm. Anyway. Nice. Yikes. So uh, she actually ended up going. So again, she had some substance use problems, some chronic suicidality, depression, yada yada. She ended up dying about ten years later after this of drug dependence. I did find that. Okay. And the dudes did not serve their, they actually only got charged with practicing without a license. That was it. I'm like, isn't that kind of like attempted murder? Cracking in someone's I mean, chewy yeah. center? Chewy center. <laughs> well, you said like the whole outer crusty candy meats. shell. Yeah, there's, <laughs> uh, yeah, just make some menudo. Anyway, sorry. Um, Yeah, anyway. That's crazy. So. <laughs> no pun intended either. Either, however you slice it. <laughs> <laughs> so many puns. Uh, so many puns. It's uh, that was a precursor to the prefrontal uh, lobotomy. And back in the day, the first term for it was prefrontal leucotomy. So in medical terms, an otomy is anytime we make a hole in something, right? Sure. And then leuco it means white. So it's oh, because okay. they do their white matter. So in your brain, you have gray matter and white matter. Gray matter is where all the bodies of your nerve cells, your neuronal cells are located. And then the white matter is all the little bits that connect them together, mm-hmm. like the tendrils, if you will. So it's almost always somehow, seg- not segregating, but separating the white matter like worth so it makes it so that it doesn't connect and speak to each other like it's supposed to that's what your white matter does is communication so when you the first times that they did it, it was called a prefrontal 
leukotomy and they do prefrontal because your frontal lobe is where your what we call executive functioning is as well as your uh, emotions lie is in your prefrontal Mm -hmm. cortex all right so that's that's the history of it okay and now we're going to fast forward to about the 1930s um so in the early 1900s before medicine and specifically psych had actual ethics because we did some messed up shit to people back in the day. I'm not going to lie. I mean, to be fair, we already do messed up shit to people now. <laughs> we do. 100%. Like, like uh, keep people alive in horrible conditions. Long after they should have died. Uh-huh. I was talking to one of our coworkers, and she says that now a viable fetus is 22 weeks. Because it used to be 26, and then it went to 24. Now they say that they can keep a fetus alive out of the womb at 22 weeks. I'm like, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, like, so if they things. can, there is a lot of things to it that I don't know about. So I can't really say one word. Cause I'm all about, like, if you can save them and they can have a quote unquote productive, normal life, mm-hmm. then yeah. But how do you know if that's going to happen? You know well, what I mean? And our, again, our coworker was telling me that over 60% of preemies end up with cerebral palsy. Yes, they do. That and, is very true. And that's a horrible disease. Right? And there's so many, like the quality of life for many of these. And, and at 22 weeks, they're, anyway, it doesn't matter. But the quality of life would be just total shit for probably like half of them. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, like some preemies actually do really well. Not oh, at 22 totally. weeks. But like 30 weekers, even like they, they totally. actually thrive way better because they, you know, there's a whole theory that like they had that initial fighting re, uh, response. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm right when they first are born. And so they actually have a lot of resiliency and they're rather healthy when they get older and blah, 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 all that stuff. But and they are, I've, I know some preemies like in my personal life. And so that's, I'm not saying that, but I like 22 weeks. Yeah. That, and think about how painful that probably is for that 22 week year, yeah. 22 week year old, 22 week old fetus yeah. to out of the womb. Yeah. Right. They that's look, so sad. they look, oh, anyway, it's, it doesn't matter. It's so sad. It is very sad. And I mean, I, I did a little tiny stint in L&D, and we had a fetal demise at around that time, and it was heart-shattering. It is heart-shattering. I, I mean, you don't want to see that happen to babies, but you also don't want to see them, you know... Just basically live in a vegetative state? And what if they have yeah. shitty parents? Yeah, exactly. You know? Because then they're just in a... Anyway, it doesn't matter. We're anyway. Way off topic. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's okay. back on track. Circle back. Okay. So in the 19... Well, in the early 1900s, right, they had... Psych especially didn't have any real ethics at this time. Like before that, it was worse. I mean, it started to come around a little bit. But in these asylums, they were ridiculously overcrowded. They had no treatment work because this was before any psych meds. So we couldn't even really sedate people. We could could always chloroform. Hey, what does (laughs) it smell like to you, right? But that's it. Didn't they like dunk them in freezing ass cold water and do yeah. like insulin shock insulin mm-hmm. shock where they give them a bunch of insulin and make them hypoglycemic. They did all sorts of weird things. Yeah. They did terrible things to women yeah. and their genitalia. Uh-huh. That's terrible. Yeah, they like I said before they had ethics, but they were trying everything and there were some um some physicians at that time thought were more nihilistic than that. They're like, "Yeah, we shouldn't treat them because your body should just heal on its own." And so they used a lot of straitjackets. They chained people up. It, it was terrible. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. 
people are just running around. It was horrible. But honestly, for most of the recorded history that we have, the mentally ill have been treated as pariahs, ostracized by society, placed in way overcrowded hospitals, or committed to insane asylums. And back in the day, you could like men could commit their wives to insane asylums because wives were property, right? Right. Back in right, the day. Yeah. So like, hey, my wife's crazy, take her. And I'm just like, um, no. <laughs> I'd 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 shank a bitch. I'm not gonna lie. Um, criminals were dealt with uh, swiftly and not always justice or compassion because you got to, again, these guys were psychotic. Like they were doing shit that was criminal, but they weren't really criminals, you know? So if you steal something because you're psychotic and you think that that's the only thing you can eat because everything else is poisoned and then uh-huh. you get your hand cut off, uh-huh. right? Like that's kind of messed up. What about if they're like killing people or hurting people? That, that's where it gets, that was always my big thing, especially now today. I'm totally down with that, but honestly, the precedence of violent, psychotic people, schizophrenia, is it's minimal. Maybe I'm more biased because I worked in prisons. <laughs> so. That could your population was definitely skewed. It was right definitely there. skewed because and, I saw the violent mental health patients. Yeah, but most of them even had personality disorders, not necessarily mm-hmm. schizophrenia, right? I would assume. Uh, well, yeah, they they always had dual diagnoses, right. of course. So it it would just depend. But like, yeah, if you're out there killing people, let's take care of you. In fact, I think the justice system could be a little bit better at caring, treating criminals swiftly and more justly. No shit. Mm-hmm. Let's, nope. That's not that's not today's podcast. No, it's not. But you know, <laughs> Darwinism happens. Natural selection. Let's like weed out those guys. Listen, we're the assholes that keep those fuckers alive. I know. So, we had that know. conversation yeah, too. I know. All right, uh, and then despite the more uh, advent of more humane treatment in the late 19th century, hospitals for the mentally ill were poorly prepared to cope uh, with the medical and societal problems associated with mental illness and remained overcrowded for, like, ever. Because there's, again, we at this point, there was no fixing these guys. Like, down, about the same time, the early 1900s, there was, you know, Sigmund Freud and Carl uh, Jung who did all the psychoanalysis stuff. But Freud was a fucking weirdo, man. All yeah, of his stuff was some... sexual in nature. What is that um, Greek? Is it a Greek um, story about the guy that's like in love with his mother? Yeah, Oedipus. Oedipus. You he had some Oedipus, Oedipus shit oh, going on. He probably didn't get it Oedipus enough. <clears throat> So that's yeah. a lot of substance. <clears throat> maybe he didn't like the Oedipus. Maybe he liked the Oedipole. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe he did. I have no idea. That's, maybe he liked both. <laughs> maybe. He probably did. A lot of cocaine up in that time too. Woohoo! Good times. Good Man, times. I kind of wish I lived in that time where there was cocaine in my pop. <laughs> like, right? Or just anywhere. It wasn't even illegal at that point in time. You could do whatever. So there was a report in 1937 that said out of the 450,000 patients in 477 asylums, Mm -hmm. so if you do the math on that, that is a lot of people per asylum, uh, nearly half of them were hospitalized for five plus years at a cost estimated in today's dollars to exceed $24 billion. (gasps) Yeah. So there was a lot of people in a lot of hospitals. And again, sometimes these people weren't really sick. They were just there because either they're parents didn't want to deal with them or their they were uh their spouse didn't well their husbands let's be real a woman couldn't go there and be like hey take my husband they'd be like no ma'am we'll take you instead <laughs> you must be crazy when you get rid of your husband <laughs> right you must be crazy you're the ones coming in to see us and the husband's out there like oh, my plan worked uh, just get a divorce just get a divorce in fact you know what just kill kill him it's better <laughs> than put him in one of these fucking places it really is uh-huh where they're going to get, like, 
insulin shock therapy and ice water bath. And there was this other thing where they put you in a chair and they it's like a centrifuge and they spin you around <gasps> really fast. Oh, God. Right? I can't even watch the inside of the dryer going without getting oh, a little nauseated. Yeah, that would make me sick as shit. All right. So, um, and while they had like the psychoanalysis going on, right, you could talk to your patient about how they're feeling or sure. how their mother treated them, or all these other things. It's not like that was widespread. And uh, uh, Freud, he was Austrian, and this was around the time of you know World War II. So that it's not like his publications came out of Austria, because you know yeah, Austria was a little busy it, around it, that time. There was some shit going on. I'm just gonna say they, they were going through a phase. <laughs> <laughs> it's but it's just a phase. It's fine. They'll grow out of it. Holy shit. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. That was, that was bad for uh, me. That's okay. That's all right. That's right. Um, but yeah, anyway, psychoanalysis, like, it had a good premise, but it was still really fucked up at the time. Like, it was all about sex. And, I mean, granted, most everything is about sex, yeah. but not like that. Yeah. Uh, and it was not very common, virtually non-existent in asylums, right? They had, like, so many people that you're not going to have group therapy back in the day. Mm-hmm. And the people that were there, you probably had, like, the the ones who were there because, you know, their hu- husbands dropped them off or whatever. And then you have, like, the fucking sick ones. Sick right. as shit. Yeah, like, woof. Right? Woof. You can't be like, hey, all you paranoid schizophrenics, let's go have group. Not going to not going to well. showing each other's faces off. Right? Let's go to finger painting class. <laughs> With <laughs> poopy. <laughs> and With menstrual blood. Poop. Uh-huh. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. They always use those. Always. So, yeah, um, then back in the time also, there was, like uh, Poison Ivy said, talked about insulin share therapy. So there were other dudes like this uh, guy named Emil Kraplin, I hope that's right, who liked ECT and insulin shock therapy. So when you give someone ECT, again, back in the day, you didn't get any sedation. You didn't get the nice sleepy drugs. Uh, Electroconvulsive therapy. They also used to call it electroshock therapy and where they literally take... Back in the day, again, this was the paddles that they used to restart your heart or to get it out of V-fib, and they'd put them on either side of your your noggin on your temporal lobes and then shock the shit out of you. And they'd, you know, put some leather in your mouth so you have something to bite down on. When they, ones that were nice would chloroform a little bit before they did this, but not always. Sometimes they just zappo. And, and today they still do electroshock therapy, but they use it on the smallest, uh, smallest, as amperage or wattage, amps? I can't remember. It's am- I thought it was amps. Amps. The smallest amps that they can, they just crank it up a little by little until it produces a seizure. Mm-hmm. And that's the point of electroshock therapy. And you're under uh, general anesthesia. Mm-hmm. You have no memory of it. Unlike, you know, back in the day when they're just like, all right, time <laughs> down. Here we go. This is the car battery. Start her up. Uh, right? <laughs> crank her over, John. So all two right, things. Martha. <laughs> so two things. One... Um, when I was a kid, I stuck a fork in an electric socket. Ooh, yeah, Zappo. Oh, I surely did. Uh-huh. So I don't know if anybody like recalls if they're like maybe around my age. There's a show that was called The Busy World of Richard Scary. So Richard Scary was a author and he had a TV show and had like this stupid little inchworm that flew in a helicopter apple and blah blah blah. He had a fox named Mister Fix It. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about, so I hope other listeners do. No, they don't. Whatever. The point is, it's a kid's show. I got it. I'm with you. And I really liked Mr. Fix-It, and so um, I decided I was going to be Mr. Fix-It, and I was going to fix the electric socket. Nice. Nice. (laughs) With a fork. 
And oh, uh huh. And then my grandmother, who was watching me, <clears throat> she just let you do it. She sat there and she's like, "You shouldn't do that." And I'm like, "I'm Mister Fix it. I'm fixing it." And she's like, "Okay." And she let me do it. Well, <laughs> and it shocked the shit out of me. I remember. Fuck around, I, find out. I did find out. <laughs> I, I remember too. I was like jiggling the fucking thing in there, and then all of a sudden, I just it felt like I heard the zap, but maybe it was in my head. But it was like, bzzz, and I just stood there. You're like. What? What? What just happened? And then my grandma's like, oh, you bet you won't do that again. I was like, You're like, actually, I kind of liked it. I'm going to do it again. I feel so much happier now. It's like I put the reset button and I turned it off and turned it back on again. Nice. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, Explains a lot, actually. You know, that happened to me a lot. Not through that, you put a lot but of for- electric, electric fences. Uh, I grew up on a farm, uh, right? Yeah. And so, to, and, you know, most electric fences have these little round white jobbies that tells you they're electric. But out on the farm, you don't fucking know. So you have to, like, touch it. Like, go touch it real quick. Because on an electric fence, if nobody knows, it's not, like, constantly electrified. It has in, it goes in pulses. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you can actually <laughs> adjust the electric amperage on the electric fences to either just, like, give you a little bzzz or, like, fuck up your day. Just like in Jurassic Park when the kids climb just over like the thing. Just like in Jurassic Park. <laughs> yes, exactly. Fly that kid right off. Uh, yeah, some of that shit's, like, strong. So when you're a kid and you're walking through the field or doing whatever you're, I don't know where we were going, but yeah, you just like, you tap it and see like, okay, is it going to, is it going to shock me? Then you're like, no, oh, oh, I think we're good. And then you grab onto it to pull it up so other people can get through and kazam. Yeah. Happened a lot. <laughs> Happened a lot. Well, I spent most of my childhood outside and I got to get across the fence somehow. <laughs> All right. No, don't use a stick or anything. Uh, it's in a field. There's no sticks. Go get a stick. In the field. there It's a field. There it's are no way. trees in the field. You plan ahead. Have plan ahead. As a child, totally. Like, oh, I think I'm going to be walking through this field later today. I'm going to bring a stick. I carried a stick everywhere I went when I was a kid, <laughs> but that's because I grew up by the hood, too. <laughs> so <I> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was for defense. <laughs> I needed something else for defense. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, way digressing. It's fun. So... They did insulin shock therapy where you give someone enough insulin, like insulin's what diabetics use to control their blood glucose. So you give them enough insulin that you basically, again, produce a seizure. That was the thought. Because when you come out of a seizure, you come out in a, of a seizure in what they call a post-dictal state, mm-hmm. and you're very sedated, very calm, very tired. That's what the... And so if you have psychosis and you're like aggressive or crazy or whatever, you go into this post-dictal state, they're like, oh, look, they're better. And then it might take a couple of days to really recover from it. Mm-hmm. But they actually have a lot of evidence now that ECT does do really good things. And it's used widely still to this day, but it's used more humanely. Yeah. Well, like I recall, like one, oh God, I don't even know where I was working at the time. But like I was working at an inpatient mental health. And we had one patient that would go for her electric shock therapy mm-hmm. because she had such severe depression. And she did say it did. She was still depressed. But she said there was – she did notice a, an improvement with mm-hmm. that. And then so I was also reading somewhere that um, there's a lower in um, rate of people with seizure disorders and having depression. Interesting. I can't recall where I read this was again years and years and years ago, so I can't remember. So I don't even know if that data is even relevant anymore. But I'm just saying, I read that somewhere. So probably on Facebook because it knows everything. Facebook does know Uncle Google. All right, here's another fun fact for you. The first um, insane asylum that opened was in 1247. 
yeah. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And it was called St. Bethlehem Hospital, and it was in London. And it became, with accents and whatnot, whatnot, it ended up being Bedlam Hospital. So if you ever hear the term Bedlam, like it's total Bedlam in here. It came from this hospital because it was literally and figuratively crazy in the his out. Didn't they kind of use it as like a sideshow attraction they did. too? Mm-hmm. Back like, in the day, you they, could pay, I don't know, whatever you your money crazy is. people? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so fucked up. It's extremely fucked up. But we kind of do that already. When you got to have the revenue to keep the doors open. Hey. Honestly. Hey. I mean, you do what they you got to do. They got to earn your keep, okay? <laughs> Dance, monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Dance in your little cage. <laughs> I know why the cage But don't fling the poop sing. this time. Oh, please don't we fling talked the about, poop. We talked about this. You do that again, you're getting the and more insulin. You're getting the hose. <laughs> it's what's going to happen, bro. Oh, they didn't probably even have hoses back then. No, they're then. just going to dunk them in the ice water. Ice water. Mm-hmm. Probably worse things than that back in the day honestly oh, i'm sure anyway I, I hear they did beat them oh severely. totally beat them <laughs> yeah well i'll get to some uh some other stuff here in a little bit all right so <clears throat> the idea for what we call the study of brain pathology particularly so okay the idea for lobotomies came out because they people started noticing that when people had or let me rephrase, physicians started noticing that when people had cerebral tumors and they excised the tumor, it changed their personality. Uh-huh. Weird, right? They're like, hmm, there might be something to that right there, right? If we can change the personality of this person who's normal into more docile, maybe we can do it for people who aren't so docile and make them more docile, right? So it's just, it wasn't like an actual correlated thing. It was more like antidotal evidence, and so they're like, hey, we've noticed this. Now I see why they were dropping their wives off. I'm like, this mouthy bitch. This, she's getting <laughs> lippy like that cow in France, man. We got to fix this. <laughs> she's got the bad cow. She's got the bad cow disease. Yeah. Uh, and so when they did these operations, they found out that they had dramatically altered behavior. behavior and then there was a, a celebrated case. This is what the article said. A celebrated case of traumatic brain injury to the frontal lobe that has come to be called the American crowbar case. And I've been in psych like my whole career pretty much. And I've never heard of this thing. I've never heard of this either. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm I ready. know, right? Are you ready for I'm this? I'm so ready. All right. Think back to the year uh, 1848. Okay. Top hats uh, and petticoats. That's right. So there was American crowbar case. There's this dude named Phineas, because that was, you know, one of the common <gasps> oh, names back in the day. I think I know this. Okay. Yeah. I think I do. Okay. Well, his I'm, name I'm, was Phineas Gage. Gage, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. He, yes, you do know this case. I do then. know this nice. guy. Okay. He was a construction foreman at the Rutland and Burlington Railroad, and he was severely injured while helping construct a railway line near the town of Cavendish, Vermont. A uh, premature explosion propelled a tamping iron, which is a long bar measuring three feet, seven inches in length, and 1.25 inches in diameter, and it went through his goddamn head. Yes, right? I did. I did read about this guy. It's fascinating. It is fascinating. His whole life was, it's great. Anyway, I'm right? just, I'll let you tell it, though. I'm really, I love this story because it's fascinating. It's, it is fascinating. So it's this was 13.25 pounds and this rod that was almost three and a half feet long penetrated his left cheek uh and then went through his front left lobe right Mm -hmm. so kind of like went in a diagonal through his lobe exiting the cranium just right of the midline near the intersection of the basically right just to the left of your the middle of your brain in the Mm -hmm. front is what it was and this dude he was only 25 and he survived this like I, I like I did used to watch there was some show 
on TV that would have like the ice picks in dudes' heads and weird things like that, like bad accidents that people live through. I used to watch that show on TV. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So this guy lived I, and they noticed that his behavior was altered significantly. Like he went from being like motivated, energetic, capable, friendly, conscientious to uh, obstinate, irreverent, irresponsible, socially uninhibited individual. Hmm. So these changes in personality would later be recognized as the frontal lobe syndrome, which would make sense, right? Um, one of the problems with this is that all these behave, cha- behavioral changes, it could have been trauma or it could have been trauma. Like, I'm sure having the rod go through your face gives you a little bit of PTSD. Oh, I see what you're saying. Trauma or trauma. Physical trauma or, or emotional trauma. Right? Again, okay. having a rod go through your brain uh-huh. and your face probably leaves you with some some nightmares, some and flashbacks. I heard that, like, the rod that went, like, several meters or something. I don't know. It was far away. Like, it went whoop, whoop, far Oh, away. I'm sure. I, it was an explosion. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, cuz he was a he was an explosions expert. Like that's what he did for the railroad. Mhm. Mhm. But anyway. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I'm sure there was some force and then I'm sure surgeries back in the mid 1800s probably not the best things in the world and then they had to remove this uh three and a half foot long rod from his noggin. No, it went through his head. No, it did not. It didn't. It stuck in his head. There's pictures of it. Really? Mhm. Oh, uh, what I read is that it like flew out and they had to go find it. I guess. Huh. Maybe not. Huh. Conflicted. Weird history is conflicting. From the 1800s? You're you, telling me are you saying even legitimate? the press back then was fucked what? up? Well, they probably just didn't have actual <laughs> factual data. There's that too. Anyway, so either went, way. Either way, it went through his fucking head. Yeah. And I'm sure he had trauma and trauma. Trauma and trauma. Yeah. Uh, so did his personality change because he was now traumatized and had some PTSD stuff? I'm sure that had a little bit of something I to do with it. he had a splitting headache all the time. Oh, rah, rah. I bet he did. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Just Phineas. give him some Excedrin. It'll be fine. Which by the way, that name is awesome. I love that name. Phineas. Phineas is a great name. It's a cool name. I agree. All right. So... Um, blah, blah, blah. So let's go forward a little bit to 1888 in Switzerland. There's a Dr. Gottlob Burkhart who removed an area of cerebral cortex he thought was responsible for abnormal, abnormal behavior. And he did this for about six patients where he moved bits and pieces that he thought were responsible for the patient's aggression and psychiatric issues. Uh, it was not well tolerated by the medical community at large. They're like, whoa, bro, why are you taking out people's brains <laughs> not okay even if we do think that they're we don't know anything about the brain we still don't know anything about the brain the brain Just is FYI. very mysterious and uh they're like um no stop stop thinking in people's brains right that's not cool and this was in 1888 so so he stopped doing that for a while and then we're going to fast forward to uh 1935 where this dude dr john fulton presented two chimps at the Wait for it. The Second International Neurologic Congress in London. Ooh, Ooh. fancy. Mm, so fancy. At a session for psychosurgery um, where he did this bilateral resection of the prefrontal cortex on these two chimps. So, again, that's where you go into the brain and you take out the prefrontal cortex, which is, again, where they think your emotions and some of your executive functioning lies. Um, and these chimps were devoid of emotional expression and no longer capable of frustrational behavior. Hmm. So again, you got that lippy wife at home who's <laughs> frustrated with you all the time. Just take her in for a little day surgery. It's fine. <laughs> it's the same day too. You can take her home. It is at the, the end same of the day. day. 
Freeman did shit in hotel rooms. Ugh. Hotel rooms are gross. Hotel rooms are gross. Ew, gross. Anyway, all right. So um, they, again, also used very much anecdotal evidence of people who had uh, tumors cut out of their frontal lobes and had similar behavioral changes like the chimps and Phineas, right? So they don't have any actual research data. They just have, yeah, I read about this one case from this dude and it changed his whole life. Okay. So again, uh, the next year, so there's a couple doctors, Antonio Moniz and Alameda Lima, who were Portuguese. So I'm sure I'm slaughtering those names. They were at this uh, conference, right, in 1935. And they're like, hmm, that's kind of cool. Maybe we should do a little something, something about that. Oh, God. And they decided to try frontal leucotomies. Again, that's white matter and holes. So you're just messing with the white matter in your brain. And they did that for some of the 1930s. Um, so the, specifically when they did this, they disrupted the connections between the prefrontal cortex and the thalamus. So the thalamus is like your, think about like a factory, like a distribution center, like mm-hmm. all your stimuli comes into your thalamus and then your thalamus de- determines where to send it after the fact. So you're cutting off the prefrontal cortex, uh, communication to the thalamus so the thalamus isn't getting all those signals and usually again in the prefrontal cortex that's your executive functioning which is how you like drive a car manage a checkbook recognize social cues and your emotional stuff so to be fair i don't think anybody knows how to manage a checkbook anymore that is probably true (laughs) all right uh manage your uh smartphone Uh, manage your instagram account Ooh. By the way, follow us on Instagram at Healthcare Villains. <laughs> nice plug. I know. And, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that is hard managing your social media. It's a nightmare. <laughs> I haven't been on social media in like four days. Any of it. Yeah, it's terrible. Anyway. Anyway. All right. So these guys uh, and their 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 goal, their uh, intention was to uh, alleviate severe mental illness. So like depression, schizophrenia, and long-term hospitalized patients, right? Because again, they they had no cure. They just like put all these people in these hospitals and then just left them there because there wasn't no drugs, no nothing. Again, you could maybe talk about your mother, but that's about it. Um, so also present at this, uh, at the second international neurologic Congress was Dr. Walter Freeman, who is our quote unquote villain of this story. Um, but let's do a bit more history first. I find super fascinating that, uh, doctors Monez and Lima did the first frontal leucotomy in 1935. And then they did about 20 more peeps in 1936 and a few more after that. And then in 1949, they actually won the Nobel Prize for physiology or medicine for, quote, the discovery of the therapeutic value of leucotomy in certain psychoses. Yeah, they won a Nobel Prize for cutting into people's creamy centers. Creamy centers. Which seems... (laughs) It seems weird. Well, I don't know. Was it beneficial? No, not really. No. Mm-mm. Interesting. Mm-mm. Like, what did? The, well, when I when I say helpful, did was there positive outcomes for their quote unquote patients? Um, some of them. So, I mean, there was more than fifty percent, right? So, oh, okay. in nineteen forty-two. Okay, well, hold on a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. So how they did this is that they didn't just swirl their brains around like you heard about this. That's what 
Walter Freeman did. He just like wiggled the ice pick in your brain a little bit. Oh, he did? For uh-huh. real? Uh-huh. For real. Ew. 15 degrees. Let's be scientific about it. Anyway, uh, these other guys who did it used actually ethyl alcohol. Okay. Because ethyl alcohol like destroys nerve uh, fibers and it also kills pretty much anything it touches, nerve or cell-wise. Uh-huh. That's why we use it for sanitation and for sterilizing things because it kills everything. Right, right. So you, you pump a little bit of this into someone's brain, it's going to start doing some damage. Uh-huh. And so basically all these guys were just giving people brain damage. And uh, if any of you are in the healthcare professions listening, you all know that when someone has a TBI, their behavior usually gets worse, not better. But the whole point of the the lobotomy is to make them more docile. Yes, docile. Did it make them more docile? In some of them it did, not in all of them. And not, oh, I see, not all of them. Well, you know, a lot of them died. <laughs> Weird. Okay. And then a lot of them actually became just like vegetative. Okay. Well, that's really docile. That's as docile as you can get without being dead. Right. So, yeah. But uh, it fell out of fashion because the results were just like all over the board. There was yeah, no... Yeah, it's like rolling the dice. So it yeah. really is. You're like, you got a lippy wife at home? Roll the dice. She might get worse, but then you can just leave her in the institution forever. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of kind of crazy. But... um. Yeah, they practiced mostly in Lisbon, Portugal, and they did quite a few people, but not like lobotomies back in the day. They were popular all around the world. Yeah, like all around the world. Hmm. Um, so enter, okay, now we're going to enter Dr. Walter Freeman. He was a neurologist and a neuropathologist and a guy named Dr. James Watts, who was also at that conference. And Dr. Watts is a neurosurgeon, and they both taught at like George Washington University. They collaborated collaborated and performed many lobotomies and then uh dr freeman did decided to try the transorbital lobotomy and that was in about uh, 1936 so by 1942 uh these guys actually published in psychosurgery quoting statistics of out of 200 patients that they did these lobotomies on and this is a lobotomy in what i'm talking about when i say lobotomy that's when you bore two holes into your brain right underneath the frontal lobes and you do a bilateral lobotomy this is not the transorbital lobotomy that freeman did so you drill it like right kind of in your temporals right like by your by your eyebrows kind of and you just put in like uh, this little tool that looked like a uh it was a cylinder tool that you could well you could do it one of two ways you put in this little cylinder tool right underneath the frontal lobe of the brain and either put in alcohol like those uh people down in portuguese portugal portugal mm-hmm. or they uh those guys also invented a little tool that had like a little lasso on the end of it so they put this hollow tube in then they push the uh like a little hook lasso thing out of it and they just kind of started scraping <gasps> part of your brain out Ew. yeah it's important to know that it like you can scrape at the brain it doesn't hurt yeah your brain has no uh nerve not nerve Pain, pain receptors. receptors. Um, so there's that. It just sounds fucking terrible. Well, and you are cracking in through their skull. That so part sounds. That yeah. part's gonna hurt. That part's bone pain. Hurt. Bone pain. Woofda. Woofda. All right. So um, for these lobotomies that they were first doing, again, this is regular lobotomies, not so the, the two, the two, the two holes, one. not okay. through the eyeball. Okay. Uh, out of 200 patients, 63 were improved. 23 had no improvement. 14% were worsened or succumbed to death after surgery. Like, I think I would just rather die than like 14%. Get worse. That's a that's a big 
if you could imagine, like, if you did, like, a, an appendectomy and 14% of your patients either got worse or died, they would no longer do appendectomies. Just saying. Well, yeah. 14% is a big number for, uh, this might not, this might make you worse or kill you. But then again, the rupture appendix might kill you too so ah, i mean that's true i mean that is true you you'll 100 percent die from sepsis if your appendix ruptures okay maybe that's a bad example <laughs> so uh i don't know okay hip pain or knee pain okay there you go right like doing like the the joint surgery like we'll do a total knee surgery 14 percent of you will die or it's going to get worse i'm good i'll mm. I'm that's, good. I'll that's, keep using ibuprofen and ice. Right. Unless my pain is like excruciating and I'm willing to take that and then maybe eat a bullet if it doesn't, or if it does make it worse. We'll just call up our... Dr. Kevorkian? We'll just take you to Oregon. It's fine. Fine. I, I'm down with that. Okay. So, and this was actually in the, like I said, the Journal of Psychosurgery and then the Journal of American Medical Association, also called JAMA. We still, that journal journal. The journal. The journal. I that, call them journals all the time. That journal is still published today and it has a lot of great research. So it is very reputable. But it published an editorial supporting the basis for the procedure and the indications for lobotomies. So, okay. So I'm just going to, you know, try to stay neutral and say, okay, but what other options did they have for very, in the cases of those people that were very violent or whatever. They had no options. That was your only option. So no I can options. see why they're like, well, it well, could potentially work. See, so, you know. And yeah, you're 100% right. But this Freeman guy, he, he started going a little cray-cray with it. And he was giving everybody a, a lobotomy for you, a lobotomy for you. Okay, so yeah, Freeman, he went a little nuts with how and who. Like, I'll get to it in a minute. But there, he did this on, like, children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember hearing that. Kind of messed up. But um, what a lobotomy, act, the standard lobotomy, is what you do is you make two three-centimeter incisions uh, over the frontal lobe. So like right by your temple area, right somewhere above your eyebrow line, basically. And then you take a drill or an auger, which is, you know, again, what trepanation is named after, and you drill it into the skull, and then you put the cylindrical metal insert with a wire loop at the end that could be could protruded, uh, and you put it in there and you just excise some white matter at various depths and various angles and you do it bilaterally. So you do it on both sides of the head. So they were super popular. Some of the um, the data here in the U.S. Uh, over the whole time, approximately 40,000 people were lobotomized in England, 17,000. According to one estimate in Denmark, Norway, and Sweden, they had a combined of like 9,300 Um Scandinavian hospitals lobotomized 2.5 p- times as many people per capital, capita as the U.S., which I thought was interesting because, you know, they're usually really progressive, so maybe that's why they did it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of people in Japan, the majority of lobotomies were performed on children with behavior problems. Mm. Uh, the Soviet Union p- banned the practice in 1950 on moral grounds. In Germany... The Soviet Union? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, they were a little moral. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's saying something. <laughs> that is saying. Well, you know, this is like barely at the beginning of the Cold War. So it's after World War II. And Germany uh, performed only a few times. But, you know, they already had a lot of heat. They're probably <laughs> they have like, to chill. You know, after after Auschwitz, I don't think we want to be experimenting anymore with people's brains. Yeah, I think we need, a, we need to kind of fade into the background a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right. We're like, mm, no. Uh, by the late 1970s, the practice had generally ceased, and it continued into the 80s in France, oddly enough. What? Mm-hmm. Crazy. 
Yep. Uh, yeah. So, and everywhere did it on young children too, which I thought was amazing because your brain's not even fully cooked yet. That's like slicing into an over easy egg. Oh my God. That's exactly the, <laughs> what the, I was thinking. The thing? I was thinking, I was like, that's like trying to cut into a, like a barely soft boiled egg. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not a good thing. You shouldn't just stop. It's the yolk's going to spill out. All over your little tube. And it's already a cylinder, so it's just going to start leaking out like a straw. It makes me sad. It, it is very sad. All right. But we're already at like almost an hour. We're at 55 minutes, so at 60 minutes. Uh, so we're going to stop here and make this a two-parter. Oh, my gosh. It's our first two-part <gasps> episode. I feel like we made a milestone. I think it is a milestone. I, I mean, like it. I guess technically mine from last week could have been. But it totally I, could have been. But I felt like we owed everybody. <laughs> we did. We've been a little slacking lately. But, you know, yeah. it's this thing called work. I know. Fucking work, man. <laughs> Two jobs. It. Both of us. So seriously, people have to just be patient. Anyway, to find out what kind of a freak Freeman really was, you'll have to stay tuned for next week's episode. Yep. Head like a whole part two. Head like a whole part two. All right. So if you like this one, like us, share us, subscribe, do all the stuff. on. We're on Apple Podcast. We're on Spotify, Pandora. Yeah, we're on everything, and when you do that, you know, it really helps the podcast, like, get advertised more and helps it grow and things like that. So if you want to have more, mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. episodes in the future, yeah, like, subscribe. Yep. Follow us on Instagram at healthcarevillains. Yep. Email us at healthcarevillains at gmail. Yeah, so, yeah, we would love to hear people's stories or their ideas or whatever you have to say. We're always interested. Either we're awesome or we suck or we're terrible human beings, which we are. We are. It's okay. Yeah. We're antiheroes. The whole podcast is called Villains. Right? I mean, I'll save your life, but I'm going to be bitching the whole time. The whole time. We're going to talk about you in the bedroom. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. Be like this fucking brain. Anyway, whatever. So uh, we're going to end it here. Catch us next week to find out what happens. That's right. Okay. Thanks. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye.